This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and more. Follow Elliot in the Morning everywhere social at EITM Online. Please welcome Mr. Adam Conover. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. It's early, but, you know, I'll try to match your energy. But, dude, I'll give you credit. You're dressed up. <laughs> thank you. You are dressed up. I expect I expected tank top, and uh, I didn't get it. I'm doing morning TV, so I'm dressed up for radio. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. no, I like that. I like the way that went. Dude, your, uh, your, your series is awesome. Thank you for saying so. Series is fantastic. And I guess the, the if, I'm, if, if I'm right, you'll tell me. Uh, uh, if I'm not, it kind of seemed like the next right thing for you to do. Mm. It falls in line, I feel like, for for what you're doing. I appreciate you saying so. Yeah, I did this show, Adam Ruins Everything, on True TV for many years. This Which is, did great. It was a hit for the network. I was got to do, we did 63 episodes. Was it, it a hit for you? It was a hit. I mean, nobody knew who I was before that. I was making, you know, web shorts on College <laughs> Humor. Had a great time doing that. And then I went to running and creating my own TV show. Right. And now I'm, you know, touring around the country as a comic and you know, yeah, it, it it really made things for me. But, but yeah, this is the evolution of that show. But comedy, I mean, comedy is who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not like you're just. I, I don't I don't well maybe humorist. I don't know what the right word is. <laughs> I call myself a comedian, a comic. Yeah, no, but you are like yeah. that. That is what you did. But Thank weren't you. you weren't you doing like? But was that always the trajectory though? I mean, I b was working at doing comedy. You know, I was in the trenches 10 years in New York doing it for free, you know, in bar basements and places like that. Finally got a job, you know, writing at uh, a College Humor at the website. Um, and uh, Was that a good place to work? It was a wonderful place to work. It, when, when, it, when you could actually make a living making comedy on the Internet, now <laughs> you can do it on TikTok and they pay you pennies. Right. But back then I actually got health insurance for writing. Did you uh, really? I got health insurance for writing sketch comedy on the Internet. Very lucky to do it. But all that... that that entire business collapsed in about, you know, 2016 or so. To me, it seems like it would be one of those places. And again, what do I know? But it seems like it would be one of those places where it was like an eclectic collection of smart oh, yeah. comedians who like if you if you watch the net, like if, if, if anybody watched Adam Ruins Anything or you watched the G word, it's it's very funny. But it's very thought out. It's yeah. very smart. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, let's throw something together and this will be good. Like, yeah. I, I don't even, I can't even imagine how long it took just to do the research. Oh, yeah. To be able to do 
the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this new show took us three years to make. That's partially because of COVID. Right. But we spent a year just writing these six episodes, researching them. The show is all about the government, how the government works, how it affects our lives in all of these very specific ways. Not about politics. It's about, like, here's all the hidden stories in the government you don't know about. And we spent, you know, three solid, we spent three years making the show, about a year just on the research and writing process. Um, You know, and part of it is because when I met, you know, what I call what I do comedy documentary. Right. And what I try to do is uh, so many documentaries just tell you stuff you already know. You know, here's the thing you learned in school. We're going to tell you again. Now it's on Netflix. Uh, this show where we re- looked really hard to find stories that people do not know. The, mm-hmm. the things that will actually shock you, actually make you fall off of your couch and go, holy crap, I can't believe that was true. Fascinating. Yeah. It is. And I mean, the well, so so back up a step. The the the, the it's. Obama's production company. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. And and when so at the beginning of the first episode, I don't mm-hmm. think I'm giving anything away. Go for it. Obama's in it. Yeah. And my first thought was, oh, Adam. <laughs> no, no, no. Bad move. Bad move, Conover. Because people are gonna think you're just being a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah. it's for Obama or for the like like you said, politics, the Democratic Party, yeah. whatever it's gonna be. And my first thought was, oh God, oh no. <laughs> this is this is it's gonna send the wrong message. Yeah. And now if you stick through it, you realize you actually get in a decent fight with the guy. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not that at all. And it's just and by the way, he's funny in the yeah. in the opening scene. Oh, he's and very you're getting funny. to do a nice scene with the yeah. former president. Former president. <laughs> yeah. Not the current president. I think it's complete crap how we gotta call presidents presidents until they die. They're former he's the former president Obama. <laughs> Yeah, no, the re- one of the reasons we did that scene is because the show is a co-production with his production company. The way it came about is he he optioned Michael Lewis's book, The Fifth Risk, Michael Lewis, the wonderful journalist, and then they wanted to make it into a TV show. They were like, we don't know how, what should the TV show be? And I pitched, you know, hey, it's me. I go around, I uncover all these stories. I introduce you to the people who make so the you federal went to government them. work. They didn't even come, you, I shouldn't say they didn't even. They but- talked to a lot of different people and we pitched and they liked our pitch best, right? Right on. Um, Who'd you beat out? Uh, we beat pretty sure we beat out Adam McKay. I'm not sure. I don't know those stories. I just know, you know, afterwards they were like, yeah, some of the some of the bigger people you might have heard of kind of crapped the bed on this one. Really? And you guys had a better pitch. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was a little Take hungry. that, Adam McKay. I needed the work a little more than he did. <laughs> perhaps. He's pretty busy. Uh, but so, look, I knew going into it that, hey, this is with Obama's production company. I told them from the get-go, this has to be an independent investigation. I need editorial independence. If I am seen as being a mouthpiece for the Obama's political organization, that's the death of You're the show. You're dead, yeah. Right? And so they, first of all, granted me that. So I had independence in terms of what we covered, which is why we did some segments that are critical of the Obama administration. Oh, very much so. Certain of those policies. But also, we did that scene at the beginning where, you know, I basically say to him, hey, I, I'm worried that people are going to think this episode, this show is propaganda. And he says, okay, well, go do whatever you want. Go look into whatever you want. So we do a little scene where we dramatize that relationship. And the reason is, if I did the show and we didn't do that scene, and then you got to the end credits and it said executive producer Barack Obama, the audience is smart. They would go, hold on a second. Obama's involved with this? How was he is he calling the shots? Right. And so we had to be my my philosophy is transparency. We say this is this show is a co-production with the Obamas. They're not 
involved in the editorial of the show, you know, and that is the situation, right? How did you decide which one? Like the the first one that you do yeah. is is food, correct? And well, let me back up a step. So, like you said, it's it's about government. It's not about politics. Mm-hmm. The the statistic that's amazing to me, and I guess you just don't think about it, is one in sixteen yeah. people works for the federal government. Correct. Like they have not not a local job or a state yeah. job, the federal government. Yeah. And so the first one that you do is is food. I don't know. I don't know why you started there or how you ended up there. But then it's a walk through the USDA. Mm-hmm. It's a walk through a cattle processing plant. Yeah. And I didn't know any of that. Yeah. But God damn it, is it fascinating. <laughs> no, it really is. Like, I didn't know if you go to a processing plant, there are government workers from the USDA yeah. who are walking around as inspectors. Yeah. And they'll shut it down the second they see something wrong or they'll mark yep. up a, a carcass yep. and go like, eh, that one looks a little wormy. <laughs> these inspectors literally have next to where they work on the line. So, so you know, there's a big meat factory. We went to a Cargill beef processing plant. First time they've allowed camera crews in one of those places in decades. Is and it we, really? Yeah, they, because, you know, PETA used to go sneak in right. and take footage, so they've locked it down to all media for, for decades now. We were able to get in just because we were talking about the USDA and they were like, okay, we like, fine, wait, it took like a year of just phone calls to get into this place. Um, and so at every beef processing plant and chicken and any form of meat, uh, next to the workers who are you know dismembering all the carcasses and killing the animals, there are USDA workers paid for by the government. They got a USDA name tag on, and they're right there on the line looking at every piece of meat. And right next to them, there's a giant red button, literally a red button. They can hit the button at any time and stop the entire line, stop the factory, whistle, you know, siren blares, and everybody's got to put down their tools. And, you know, the reason... That they're there. I mean, that sounds crazy, right? Like, what other business allows something yeah, right. like that to happen? And it's because, you know, foodborne illness used to be rampant. People were dying from eating, eating tainted meat. Who was and it? Was it Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt right. uh, signed the Federal Meat Inspection Act in 19... Don't ch- check me on the date. <laughs> but, you know, early part of the 20th century. Um, and uh, it mandated that those inspectors be in there every day. And now that's the system, right? And even the food companies, for the most part, say, like, yeah, they, they, it's important that they be there because it gives the public more confidence in the meat as well. You know who you know who else was fascinating in that? So like you said and and you you have your cameras in there. Yeah. And you and and it, it's not like you walk in and go Adam Conover, I'm doing this show, but it's like <laughs> you go in, you do your thing and you're you're asking, you know, all, all the questions and yeah. stuff. Um so 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 you go in you do that and they're going through everything. Like you talk about like they go through like the entrails and yeah. like the carcasses and all that yeah. other stuff. Um there's a veterinarian yeah. Who's like standing outside, like up on a up on a like a like a yep. lift outside, and she's watching to see like, are the cows healthy? Mm-hmm. Are they making the right noises and the whole thing? But they are very very mixed together. But then this is what I love that you do. Where and this is why like when you look at both sides of it, well now they want to cut back on staffing, yeah, and they want to make the food processing companies be responsible for it themselves, right. Well, horrible idea. Yeah. Because, like, I would just go, well, no, you know what, Timmy? Shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. There's money rolling through here. So a couple people get sick. Yeah. We'll be fine. But you come out of that, and then it's 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 a running theme when you talk to the, the food processing guys. And, and, and we'll get into some of the other ones. The people that do those jobs, whether it's the food processing, we'll get to the weather one and all that other stuff, they're just people who give a crap. Yeah. Like, they're genuinely good people. Yeah. 
That's the amazing thing that blew me away. My favorite part of the show is when we did these field pieces and I got to meet the people who work for the federal government. And, of course, there's a couple people who are just, hey, they want that good government paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. they want the good health insurance you get with the government. But most of the people there, they actually do give a crap about the mission. And they could make more money working somewhere else. The people, uh, you know, for the weather service, the people who work for the FDIC, who keep your money safe in the bank. They could go be working for Merrill Lynch or Goldman Sachs. Sure. But they really love the fact that they get to show up every day and actually help out, actually do a public service. They are really mission-driven in a really inspiring way. Like, it's... For that reason, we're very critical of the government a lot on the show of things that don't work, structural problems, ways the government lets us down. Half the show is criticizing the government. But I came away from it so uncynical about... You know, the people who work for the government, because so many of them, like, are, are they really they're do? good people. Yeah, they're good people. And yes, like you said, are there some that are just collecting a check? Yeah, but that's every job, yeah. right? That's every job. But they're not, they're not dicks. They're not doing yeah. it like to screw anybody. Yeah. But then the people that genuinely are like, no, we want to make sure, <coughs> excuse me, like one of the food processing guys mm-hmm. was like, well, I don't want people in the community to get sick. Yeah. I was like, you know what? That's a nice. I would have just been like, it's yeah. a check, bro. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm getting paid. And what really amazed me was, you know, these two veterinarians, because we're there, we're looking at this plant. The cow- was it disgusting, by the it way? It was disgusting. It was, was it really? Yeah, it was humid. Have you stopped eating it meat? Smelled. I didn't eat beef for a couple months after that experience. Because really? this place, the cows come in one end and the meat goes out the other end. You know, like this is, we saw the cows coming in. You see them on the show. And it was, you know, it, 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 it's a little upsetting, right? You're like, oh my God, these cows are going for slaughter. And it's kind of raining. It's we a little sad. <laughs> I'm the same way. But what got you back in? Oh, just the smell of a while. steak on the grill. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was In and Out Burger in California. I was like, I, I, you know, after a while, it, it wears off, right. and you know, you you have to go for. I I avoid eating meat in my own life. I I, I try to eat meat once a day. You know, I I, I cut back uh, from what I used to. Um, but you, you know, I, I'm not a full vegetarian, but I do have that concern. So I'm there, and I'm going, man, this is kind of a bummer. Like I'm a little worried for these cows. And I asked these veterinarians, I mean, you're a veterinarian because you love animals. One of them used to be a small animal vet. They did dogs and cats and stuff for people's pets. And I was like, what is it like to now be a part of a system that's like killing animals? And they had a really thoughtful reply to that, you know, that like, hey, yeah, it's there's a lot of things that suck about the food system, about factory farming. But it's better that we be here making sure that these animals aren't mistreated to the extent that we can. There can always be more done. Uh, then have no one be here at all. And that's part of their mission as well. You know, like they really do. Uh, when talking to them, I was like, I, they really care about these animals, you know? Right. Now, now that's not to say factory farming is not horribly cruel. I believe that it is. But it's not nearly as bad as it could be. Right. right? Is, it it heading, is it heading in a good or bad direction? Uh, that is a really good question. The program that you were talking about is that the farms themselves or the processing plants themselves have been advocating with the USDA to reduce the number of those inspectors. They say, hey, what if we self-inspect instead? Kick out all those inspectors. The taxpayer saves money and we'll do it ourselves and we'll do a great job, right? Now, if you know anything about history, you know this is a terrible idea because that's how we got to a bad place in the first place. We had to send the federal government in. Um, but yeah, like the point of this show is that if the American people don't know that those meat inspectors are there, they won't protest when the companies try to take them away, right? Right. Because we won't know that they're there in the first place. But if we are aware, hold on a second, there are these inspectors every day on the job. 
and you get to meet them on the show and understand what they do. And then I tell you, and someone's trying to take them away. Right. Then we get mad about it. But you know? let me ask you this, Adam. Please. Are there are there people like now now that the show's been out and people are watching it? Is there anybody who has come to you and goes, oh, I knew that my tax dollars went to have a, an inspector at a meat processing plant? <laughs> I would have had no idea. Yeah. No, no, no clue. Nobody. Nobody has. I mean, I, I knew that that it, you know meat inspection was a thing. I know the USDA logos on the meat. Right. right. I didn't know that they're there every they single day. No. Yeah. At every plant. At every plant. Yeah. Everywhere that meat is produced, goat, everything, uh, chicken, you know, I think everything except fish. I think fish is separately regulated and I don't test me on it. But <laughs> Right. I was going to ask why, but I won't test you on it. <laughs> it's a, a different, it's a different agency. You, do, you know who seems like, so like, and like you said, you point out the good, you point out the bad, you know what, you know what program? And again, something I would have never thought of at all, but I'm watching the series and I sit down and I'm watching it and I was like, boy, the, um, and if you would have said to me, Three days ago, hey, what do you think about the farming subsidies program? I'd have been like, Adam, you and I have nothing to talk about. What a what a mess! <laughs> yeah, what a mess! Yeah, it's horrible. It's well, I, I should say it's horrible. It hasn't changed. It hasn't yeah. evolved. Yeah, we've been subsidizing the same grains. The story that we tell, I'll, I'll summarize it real quick, is that you know during like the Dust Bowl era, how many chips did you eat? <laughs> <laughs> on the show, yeah. I uh, for that shot where I'm eating the chips, yeah. It was. L- let me tell you something. There's Cut. No, there, Do it again. There's nothing <laughs> worse than eating on camera because <laughs> I you eat on the air all the time. <laughs> yeah, but you have to when you when you're doing it on camera, you have to eat on cue, eat the same thing, and right. then swallow it or spit it out, and then do it over and over again, and you taste it every time. You know, <laughs> that's the like a good way to think about it. when you watch an actor on TV and they're sleeping, they're fake sleeping. They don't really have to fall asleep, right? Oh, when you watch an actor on TV and they're Ruin they it. Had to eat that food. Way to ruin it. <laughs> Fourth wall. <laughs> um, what, what, what were we talking about? Oh, the uh, the subsidies. Yeah, we're subsidizing the same uh, the same grains, bulk grains, co- corn, wheat, rice that we were in the Dust Bowl era. And the reason we were back then was because most Americans lived on a farm. Subsidizing those crops helped average Americans. Now we're just paying, you know, a couple gigantic agribusiness companies. Now that they've all consolidated, you know, massive companies. There's no family farmers anymore. Or when someone says, this is a family farm, they're a billionaire. Like (laughs) They're a billionaire family farmer. Uh, We're subsidizing those grains. And those are the same grains that are turned into chips, right? Into Doritos, right? Right. And as a result, those uh, partially as a result, those uh, that's why junk food is so incredibly cheap in America. Whereas if instead we were subsidizing the foods that are hardest for people to get, leafy greens, uh, vegetables, vegetables, exactly. You know, you go to the average grocery store, and if you're say you're someone on WIC, right, and you've got you, sure. you know you've got like that check, which is how. You know, so many Americans eat. Well, you need to stretch it as far as you can. You go. What are you going to get? An organic head of broccoli that's five dollars, nope. or are you going to get you know a bunch of you know Doritos? You get, yeah, corn puffs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, right. But if we were instead to subsidize the broccoli instead, we might be able to shift that, and we might you know uh, affect uh, affect people's health now. It's not the case that these subsidies are like entirely to blame for America's obesity epidemic or any of those other problems. Um, but our food system at large is and the USDA is in charge of our food system. And so, you know, you have to look at USDA policy and say, hey, some of this is contributing to Americans poor health. Right. Right. And then in, in all of that, and this is where I give you credit for all of the research you did. Mm-hmm. It's because of all that that we end up with cheese. 
being put in the crust of pizza. Yes. <laughs> and that, to be able to go down that road, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Conover's a smart man. He is <laughs> a very a smart hole. man. Yeah, uh, the USDA, in order to prop up the dairy industry, worked with companies to figure out how to jam more cheese into their products. And one of them was literally a USDA marketing arm helped come up with stuffed crust pizza. Genius. <laughs> it, Genius. Uh, I didn't know that was a U.S. government program when I was eating that the first time, right? When I was watching the commercial with the gooey cheese, you know, uh, when they invented that back in, what, the early 2000s, I sounds think? Sounds so good, though. <laughs> uh, the G Word with Adam Conover is streaming on Netflix. Quick break. More with Adam next. Connect with Elliot in the morning on Twitter at EITM Online. It's Elliot in the morning. Adam Conover is with us. The G Word with Adam Conover now streaming on Netflix. Uh, a couple of tour dates. Arlington Draft House in Arlington, August 4th through 6th. The Bell House in Brooklyn, September the 3rd. Tickets are available now. Um, the other episode that I want to mention. Yeah. The, the and again, it's all, I would have, what do I know? What the, what, what it's a government job. <laughs> the whole episode on weather. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. The, um, well, let me, let me start with this. Was flying into the hurricane amazing? <laughs> it was, it was incredible. It was first very nauseating. Right. And then it was amazing. Uh, yeah. So we went up with the Air Force's hurricane hunters. Right. Well, wait, can we, can we back up one step of course. before we do that? So the, the only real forecasters mm-hmm. is the National Weather Service. That's true. Right. Which I would have said, nope, Adam's wrong again. <laughs> but then everything else just uses their stuff. Yeah. Like they, they put their own topping on it, yes. if you will. Yeah. But that's where all the info comes from. And those are all just government workers. Correct. Uh, The only reason you have a weather forecast to begin with is the National Weather Service, which is a government agency, has about 100 weather observation, you know, posts like weather centers around the country. They have thousands of, you know, meteorologists working at those centers. They are collecting data. They have radar. They have satellites. They have, you know, wind measurements, rain gauges, and all that sort of thing. And then those people's full-time job is processing all that data into forecasts, and they put it out on the internet on weather.gov and you know give it to media outlets so when you watch you know the weather person on the news a lot of weather people on the news are just weather readers they're just right. reading a forecast now but some, some of them say official meteorologists and some of them are meteorologists but what those meteorologists are doing is they're looking at the forecast in the national weather service and and all the data that the weather service gives them and they're saying okay uh let me add my own little spin on this here's what i think is going to happen and adjust a little bit and update it but if it weren't for the National Weather Service, they wouldn't have anything to go on because, you know, your local, you know, Fox 13, whatever, they don't they're not doing weather observation. Right. They're not doing they don't have satellites. They don't have all of that. Have meteorologists yelled at you and said you're full of crap? <laughs> a, a little bit on Twitter. A couple people said we because we, we we have a we have a comedy meteorologist. We have a comedy weatherman on the on the show who we make fun of. You know, it's uh, for sketch comedy purposes. And a couple of TV weather people took exception to that. that to that, they thought we were a little too mean. I'm like, you know okay, what? But that's a you can bit. take it. Yes, Get over it's that. A bit. <laughs> no, no. I just meant from a standpoint of like right behind you. AccuWeather yeah. is. Uh, you're getting the whole yeah. AccuWeather f- oh uh, future God. cast. We could get into it with AccuWeather. Oh, they must hate your guts. <laughs> yeah. The uh, no, but that's what I was going to say. Like, is Brittany Bell going to call you later and go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Adam Conover, you're full of crap. You don't you don't really know. No, I mean, they the people who do weather forecasting, they know how the sausage is made. You know, they know that 
all the data that they get comes from the federal government. Uh, now, the companies like AccuWeather, who have built entire billion-dollar businesses off the federal government, they probably don't want people to know. They're probably very mad at me um, because they would love the public to believe that they're doing it all by themselves, right? Right. Um, but, but I mean, anyone who knows weather knows the National Weather Service is the only source. And honestly, that's the only way to collect the data. Like, no single company could blanket the entire country in weather observation posts in this way and most importantly then give the data for free to anyone to use it because it's not just the weather person you see on tv ships at sea use the data air traffic controllers right like our entire society is basically you know you need to know what the weather is going to do if you want to survive in america and so there's a public need and the government's been working on it for years the issue is that uh, you know, companies like AccuWeather have recently started to try to undermine the government um, and to try to, like, you know, sort of bend uh, that public good towards themselves That so that their AccuWeather has lobbied to make sure that the National Weather Service is only able to provide data to them so that they can sell it back to the rest of us. But we've already paid for those forecasts because... That's our my pa- tax dollars! Our, that's your tax dollars! That's, <laughs> that's the way to get the average American mad. That's my tax dollars! Hold on a second! Hey, I pay your goddamn salary! <laughs> yeah! Yeah, and and uh, you don't want to have to pay AccuWeather or another company again for the privilege or the cable company right. for the privilege of getting that. You want direct access to it because that's I mean that's why you're paying for it for so the public can have it for free. But why do I want to pay AccuWeather so that when the tornadoes come in, I'm one of their paid subscribers and <laughs> right. that way I know they'll give it to me as opposed to the people who don't pay and they lost their houses. Right. What a horrible look that is for them. Yeah, but it's true. They literally in I believe 2015 they predicted. Predicted a, a tornado was on the way, uh, and it was their own research. They said, hey, there's a, there's a tornado coming. They only alerted their paying customers, and that is what the government does not do. The government, when they know there's a tornado on the way, they alert everybody, and that's the big difference. And that's what happens when you let a public good fall into private hands like that and why we have to make sure it doesn't. Right. So anyway, get me to the – so you go up flying with right. the with, into the hurricane, which those guys do multiple times a day. Yes. Anytime you see – on the news, you know, it's hurricane season. There's that hurricane coming towards Florida or the, or the, you know, the Gulf Coast, right? Um, every time you see that cyclone, the, and they, they show you the cone. Here's where it is and here's where it's going. The only reason they have that is because basically at the moment you're watching, there is a plane full of government employees, either from the Air Force or from NOAA, a different agency, and they are flying directly through the hurricane over and over again. They, they go in one side, they punch through the, uh, the, wall to get to the exact center then they punch back out into the hurricane again they go out and then they turn around they do it again over and over again making a clover leaf pattern and then when they're done they fly back another plane takes off and does the same thing um, and the reason they do that is that is the only way to get a fix on the exact center they've got radar they've got satellites but the hurricane is moving fast enough and they are trying to be precise enough in figuring out where the center is that literally the only way to find the center is they fly into it and they've got a navigator on board saying a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, winds shifting. Let's right. go this way. They they drop uh, these things called drop sons into the hurricane that pick up uh, data as it sort of falls down out of the sky, sends it back to the plane, and then all of Did that. Did you feel data, like a badass when you dropped one? Oh my god, it was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It was like shooting a missile, like a torpedo, into the storm. Or as it looks to somebody who didn't do it, it looks like Adam was just sending a bank tube back through the <laughs> slot 
But if it feels like a, if it feels like a torpedo, God bless you. <laughs> it does look like one of those pneumatic bank tube things. But yeah, so we went on this plane, and it was incredibly nauseating. First of all, it's like this big empty cargo plane. It's not empty actually. It's full of scientific full of equipment. equipment. Right. Yeah, um, and it's almost like being on a science fiction movie with a starship or like a submarine or something like that. Like there's there's the science officer, there's the navigation officers, there's the pilots up front, etc. There's the airmen walking around the back. Uh, and I mean, it was, it, it was incredibly sickening, but then the moment that we punched through the eye wall was one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen it's because beautiful in there, it's gorgeous. You're cause you're in gray clouds. You can't see anything. You're getting bounced around like crazy for a couple hours. Then you punch through and suddenly it's completely clear. The sun is above you. It's shining down. You can see all the way to the ocean below. And then in front of you, on the other side of the eye wall, there's just a mile-high wall of clouds just, like, arcing up and creating this sort of bowl shape. Um, it was like I was speechless. I mean, you can see on the show. Uh, and these people see this multiple times a day. Th I, for me, it felt like going to the moon or something. Right. Uh, uh, this is one of the most beautiful natural sights. And, you know, here we've got, again, government workers or folks from our military uh, doing this over and over again. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 sometimes I put my GoPro on the outside of the plane to get a good shot of it. It looks pretty great. I got hours of footage if you want it. Like, uh, these guys were so cool and jaded. You know? So if you have those guys that are doing that, you've got the National Weather Service who have these, like you say, thousands of, mm -hmm. of weather stations all across the country that are feeding uh, feeding it out. Had you ever heard of the weather weenies? <laughs> no, I had not. But this again, is brand new to me. But that goes back to these are just people that care. Yes. That's all that it is. Exactly. This is one of the coolest things. And thank you for bringing this up. Not many interviewers ask me about this. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. So one of the most important parts of the National Weather Service is they have these folks called Skywarn volunteers. These are not employees. They're just volunteers. You right. could learn to do this yourself if well, you wanted. Uh. <laughs> You're pretty busy most mornings. <laughs> but you go. they go take a Skywarn spotting class. And uh, they then uh, are informed how to, when they see severe weather, how to report it back to the National Weather Service. Because, you know, again, radar, satellites, all that important thing. But when you're predicting severe weather and warning people about it, the ground conditions are super important. So they literally need eyeballs on the ground. And so they have a network of tens of thousands of volunteers around the country, weather enthusiasts, basically, sure. who just keep an eye on what's going on and then report back to the National Weather Service via, you know, uh, like ham radio, that kind of thing. And, you know, so I, I drove around with this guy, M Michael Brulo, who in Pennsylvania, who, um, you know, this guy is just a weather nerd. He calls it a weather weenie. Is weather what he weenie, calls right. Himself. That's what they call themselves. Yeah. We're weather weenies. And, and this is the kind of guy He's got who, a contraption on his car. He's yeah. got like a little CB where he's talking yeah. back. And you are. And I mean, listen, I feel bad saying it, but you do look at him and go like, well, the name fits. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it, but it goes back to what I said in the beginning. These are people that just care about their community. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all they do. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, there was a time when he saw that there was flooding, right? He was driving. Because this is a guy, when there's a storm, he doesn't drive away from it. He drives he towards right it. right at it. Yeah, right. Just because he wants to see it. He's he's into the weather. He drives. He sees that there is flooding. He phones it in. And literally 20 minutes later, the weather service puts out an alert. Hey, there's flooding in the area. Everybody, you know, watch out, etc. And so he gets to see there's a direct connection between the work that he does and his community being protected and you could i could just tell from talking to him it's so fulfilling to oh, have he was that so feeling. proud yeah he was so 
proud. Yeah. Hey, what is the the so you did you did six episodes. Mm-hmm. The when do you find out? Like at what point does Netflix or at what point does Obama come to you <laughs> and go, hey, listen, Adam Conover, you've done an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Let's do more episodes. Right. Well, they called this, they're marketing as a, as a limited series, but you never know what'll happen if it does well, well enough. Well, limited could be 12. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, we're still waiting to get the first month's numbers, so we'll find out. Netflix is very cagey, even with somebody like me. They'll say, ah, uh, uh, we know it's doing well. You know, that's that's all we know. Um, in terms of how they calculate, you know, it's uh, 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 that that's that's for them internally to decide. But Did you intend, when you, when you sat down and, and kind of, I, I don't know, how the system works of what you figure yeah. out what the hell you're going to talk about did you intend to do covid or did you feel like you had no choice but to do covid i mean when we started doing the show we were like hey let's do an episode about flying about you know airplanes and etc and then literally a week into our writer's room being open, the shutdown happened. I remember like the the first Wednesday that we had all of our writers in the room was the Wednesday that the NBA suspended its season, which was for me and a lot of other people, the, oh crap, the world is changing very fast. And so we then were suddenly writing the show over Zoom uh, all from our homes. And so the question of what does the federal government do to keep us safe suddenly became a lot more urgent. And right. we realized we need to do an episode about this. And so we wrote an episode called Disease that's entirely about, not actually it's not entirely about COVID. It's also about how the government has cured diseases in the past. Malaria. Right? Yeah, malaria. And they're they're curing sickle cell disease now. They have a breakthrough cure that, that they might be able to start rolling out soon to protect folks from that disease. But- why did they screw up COVID so badly? Right. Um, that was a question that was real. Because we were sitting at home going like, hold on a sec. What, what the hell is happening out there? You got nurses who are wearing, you know, garbage bags as protective equipment, you know, around right. America. You've got like, um, I mean, the, you know, the development of the vaccine was incredible. But then once it comes out, like we can't even, you know, get it to people. Um, and so these questions became very urgent to us. And uh, we started looking into them. So. You know, it, it's interesting because in the past on Adam Ruins Everything, we're always working on, you know, journalism that has already been done. You know, we're looking at, uh, we're, you know, I'm the last stage of the informational food chain. I take the work that journalists do and I chew it up and I turn it into comedy, right, and inform you about it. In, in this case, though, we were really doing like current events um, in a sure. way that we hadn't done before. And it was, uh, yeah, it was it was very intense and, and it really personally meant a lot to us to be working on it. So do you do you allow yourself to go down fantasy land and go, if <laughs> if if I get it, yeah, what else do I want to do? Oh, if we do more episodes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we actually had an entire episode that we wrote and did not shoot because we decided we wanted to do something different for our season finale. What was it? Um, it was uh, called Power, and it was about uh, nuclear power, uh, nuclear weapons, the fact that, that the government's, uh, the Department of Energy, most people don't know this, is tasked with keeping our entire nuclear arsenal safe, and uh, a lot of people don't realize there have been a lot of nuclear accidents that, you know, cases in which bombs almost exploded on American soil. They're called broken arrow incidents. And there have been cases where I believe over South Carolina, like a nuclear warhead accidentally fell out of a plane and did not detonate. And okay. they just like, <laughs> boom, it just hit the ground. They're like, uh, let's go pick that up uh, before anybody touches it. Uh, and give it a fun, dangerous name like, you know, broken arrow. <laughs> <laughs> that can't hurt anybody. And it's not the only one. There have been a couple dozen of them. Um, and there's also, you know, the worry that people are going to steal nuclear warheads, terrorists, uh, terrorists stealing them, things like that. 
Um, so that's one really important duty. But then also the government has to take care of all of our nuclear waste that all of our power plants produce. And so the government literally had to figure out a way to store nuclear waste for 10,000 years into the future. Again, no company is going to do that. You're not going to trust your local power company to store that waste. You right. need the government to do it. Um, and then we had a whole big thing about uh, about how this affects American power overseas, right? That we're able to, we have so much power at home, we're able to project it, you know, up, around the world. And it was a fantastic episode. We're like, well, we only get to do six. So that would be episode one. And there's so much more that we that we. But you posted cover. something online the other day, Adam, mm-hmm. um, about weed. Mm-hmm. And how? Yes. I, I can't remember. I'm going to misquote you, but that's yeah. okay. It's like <laughs> seven. You like that? I don't yeah. even care. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like seventy percent of people have access to yeah. le- weed legally. Yes. But the government won't test it to find out if there really is. Yeah. Medicinal benefits yeah. from it. Because it still gets classified as a sca- heroin. As a Schedule One drug, yeah. Weed is still classified as being as bad as heroin or any other Schedule One drug. And so it's very difficult for researchers at our various universities or companies to do any research on it. The only federally approved way to do research on weed is to get it from this one farm in Mississippi that grows it outdoors. Like, if you look, it's just like they're growing weed plants, you know, <laughs> like like from the ground, like a crop. And if, you, if you've seen weed that's not like what weed looks like it's now grown you know hydroponically these sure. very intense plants that you know remember they, they when blast you first learned somebody was growing weed hydroponically <laughs> and you were like oh my god you're einstein <laughs> that was the most amazing thing their whole house was in black light yeah. oh it was the greatest thing well now in california that you know there's those grow houses where just the entire house is just filled yeah, with right. lights on 24 hours a day <laughs> full of plants um, meanwhile, our researchers are doing research on like basically backyard swag, you know, that, that like the kind of weed our parents smoked, you know, in the 60s, right? right? Just some guy, I've got some plants in my backyard. That's like a tenth as powerful as what people are actually smoking. Um, and so, you know, it like really hamstrings researchers who want to find out. Yeah, I mean. 70% of Americans have access to either legal, uh, medical, or recreational weed. And so shouldn't we, like, do research on what it actually does? They're finally changing those rules. But these little federal rules that are somewhere in, you know, our uh, in our laws will, like, make – have, like, outsized effects. And that's a big part of the theme of the show. So, like, when – like, let's take the, the two shows I mentioned. Arlington Draft House, August 4th through 6th, or the yeah. Bell House in Brooklyn on September the 3rd. Like, is, when, when you do one of these shows, does, mm-hmm. it, does it cross the TV show or is it – completely totally different and just stand up. So I'm a stand up comic, but I try to do comedy that is still about something, you know, that isn't just, hey, here are my observations about dating or whatever, right? right? That that are still informing people, making them see the world differently. So my new show that I'm doing as I tour is uh, all is it's called Pay Attention and it's about my own diagnosis with attention deficit disorder and the attention economy, uh, TikTok, you know, uh, all of these apps that are pulling our attention from us the way our attention is being monetized by all these companies, uh, Netflix included by the way, <laughs> that like right, they want you to look at them, they want your eyeballs they want you focused on them and then they're turning that into money, sure. right, and and does that have anything to do with the fact that we are all so distracted, that we, you know uh, ADD diagnoses are skyrocketing, it's one of the most popular, a new friend of mine comes down with ADD every day, right, right. could that have something to do with the fact that, that our attention is constantly being sucked from us, um, that is what the show is about but it's also you know it's a stand-up comedy show right um it's it it, i'm still going 
for that big laugh, you know, at three laughs a minute sure. uh, rate. Well, yeah. and then, you know, and that's the other thing, because I think somebody would hear like, oh, the G word and it's government and it's federal agencies. And you do, you you learn a ton, but it is done in such an entertaining way. Thank you. Like the show, the show really, really is good. And I want to go back to, to something that we, we said at the beginning. You do, and you, you mentioned it when you walked in. You do make a big difference or you, or you draw a big line because government is such a big word, right? Yeah. And for a lot of people to just be like, oh, I don't want to hear about the government and everything. But you do a good job of separating out government from politics. Yeah. And you do you do an excellent job of separating those out where, yeah, that every, it drives everybody crazy and the whole deal. This has nothing to do with that yeah. at all. This is just the way that the country really works. Yeah. And when you start digging down, like like we said, one in 16, and that's just for the national government, the yeah. federal government. Yeah. It really is amazing. It, it's incredible. And the point that I make, you know, in the opening of the show is that we spend four years in a row arguing over who's going to run the federal government. I mean, one election ends, the next one begins immediately. Who is going to run the government? Uh, you know, uh, Republicans versus Democrats. But the argument are about this this tiny little sliver of, like, what the government actually does. It's about abortion. It's about guns. It's about, you know, all these tiny little things. The government, again, one out of, out of every 16 people. Um, it affects literally every part of our daily lives. And most of what it does, we are not aware of. And so how are we supposed to make an informed choice about it. I mean, the, the just the list of things that just the USDA does, right? And senators and representatives vote for what the USDA policy is, right? They vote for the farm farm bill every three years or so, um, or it's longer than that. But uh, uh, if we don't know what it's doing, then how are we supposed to make informed choices? When we the politics that you see on cable news is so narrow, it's such a tiny sliver of issues that actually right. matter. On both sides. Yeah. On both sides. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah. It's it's this like screaming match over one percent of what the government does. And you know, one of the things I love about doing this show is that the other 99% are also things that people don't even have that strong opinions about. Like, this show appeals to, I hope, both Republicans and Democrats because it, we're not talking about those issues that people are screaming at each other about. We're talking about all the other stuff that you should probably know something about right. um, that we have less of less division about in this country. Uh, the G Word with Adam Conover streaming on Netflix, Arlington Draft House, August 4th through 6th, The Bell House in Brooklyn, September the 3rd. Adam, thank you so much for coming in, dude. Thank you so much. Really, I, I really had a blast. appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 